Sunday school class, and uh, this morning we're going to uh, just pick up where we left off and talking about the relationship specifically between the arts and the church. And, uh, and last week we sort of ended looking at some artwork, one uh, above my head here by a Christian artist named uh, Mako Fujimara. And, uh, and I sort of explained what he does and his art form and, and what that is. And a lot of you sort of scratched your heads and said, hmm, it's okay. And, uh, and it looks like uh, wallpaper or uh, scrapbook pages or whatever. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, we, we're going to continue to uh, sort of explore what makes something, uh, in the eyes of a Christian specifically, what makes something beautiful, what makes something art. Uh, and whether that is visual art, whether that's music or uh, film or theater or literature, poetry, all of these things uh, we're trying to uh, look at. Now, I want to spend some time today uh, talking specifically about the church and uh, a little bit historically about the church's relationship with the arts and how that has played out and why, in some ways, the church has responded today to art in the way uh, that we do. <clears throat> now, there are many reasons, many good reasons, why uh, the church sometimes has a negative view of the arts. And I, I want to talk about that uh, specifically this morning. Now, what is, uh, m- most of the time when we say art, what do we instantly think of? When we say art, what is the first thing we think we're talking about? Yeah, paintings or drawings, something you can see, right? And so art, in our minds, generally trades in images. Images are the first thing uh, that come to mind. And what does the Bible warn with regard to images? Yeah, that we, we have an entire commandment of God, the second commandment that deals with images, right? That they don't become items or they don't become objects of worship. They don't become uh, in themselves something that is lending itself to idolatry. And artists know this from their own experience in their work. They, they can often uh, encounter the glory or the foundation of a thing. And they feel, uh, they feel something of its... Uh, if you will, of a, a, a powerful draw, uh, whether it is being engaged in a, in a, a really uh, captivating piece of music or uh, some kind of uh, visual art. The danger is especially clear when objects of art are brought into the church and brought into the realm of worship. Um, and at various times throughout church history, because this is the case, um, there have been a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of pushback, and especially we see this in uh, the Dark Ages, if you want to call it that, uh, and then even the Reformation. Some of the Reformers had different ideas about the arts and how they were to be utilized, but... <clears throat> What's, what is one way, if we think about the church today, what is one way uh, that uh, we see the arts being, uh, I guess the way I want to ask this is uh, that the, the arts in general are wrongly understood or utilized? What do you think? By the church. Yes, sorry, by the church. 
Yeah. So to reject these things altogether is one way that we just say, look, that's not, uh, it's not, like you can't give me a chapter and verse that tells me to watch a movie, so I can't do that, right? So it's, a, it's sort of the, uh, I want nothing to do with any of this, for sure. Yeah, Kaylee. Good. Uh, and, and it's in that regard, taking something that we recognize, there are certain art forms that in our culture in the 21st century, people are more drawn to than others. And so the idea that, well, then we must utilize those within the church in order to captivate people or draw people in or whatever. And so then all of a sudden, worship is more about how do we capture people's attention and keep them entertained as opposed to what has God commanded in terms of our worship. And so we have a lot of movies and people uh, are really uh, excited about uh, the, the killer music, uh, but then when it's time to engage with God's Word, we sort of, we sort of turn off. I, I've always found it interesting, um, and there's a big discussion to be had about, you know, multi-site churches and all this stuff. And, you know, one church that has like 24 campuses spread out all over a region. Now you go to the, and most of the time, you'll never, ever, ever in those instances, you'll never have anything other than live music. The band is there with all of everything that comes with that. But when it comes time to hear the preaching of the word, you watch it on a video screen. To me, that communicates something significant about what we, what we prioritize, uh, what we think is most important there. Yeah, Tyler. <laughs> right, right, yeah, so there's, there's, there's a tendency to want to try to Christianize something that we see in the world and to make that palatable uh, in a sense uh, and so that we can participate with it or partake of it in a way that maybe is, is uh, you know, helps us to maintain a clean conscience or whatever else, and so it comes out and it's, it's okay or it's not good at all, but, you know, it says Jesus, so we'll support it or whatever. Yeah, Dusty. Yeah, yeah, good. And, and uh, I think there's a tendency, and we'll get onto this, is can we appreciate something for simply what it is and what it's intended to be as opposed to trying to make it something that it's not? I think that's a great point. Yeah. Great. It's a great, important question that comes up a lot, especially in music and literature, because obviously those are dealing with words, and with words we're communicating things um, in, a, in a different way than uh, maybe someone who's a painter or a, a drawer. You can, if you really wanted to, you could, you know, I guess, whether it's cliche or not, Thomas Kincaid has become, you know, he's the Christian painter. Well, all he ever painted were like little cabins in the woods, like Bob Ross style, you know, happy little cabins with happy little trees in a happy little world that doesn't exist because <laughs> the world is broken. Uh, <laughs> but we will talk about that as well. <clears throat> so generally speaking, the church by and large has not always been opposed to the arts. Um, um, the more balanced view, which has typically been the case, is that we're opposed to the abuse of the arts. And that's, that's an important consideration. We need to take that into consideration and not just take everything wholesale. But some Christians have, uh, have failed to understand the difference, and we see this imbalance that we're, that we're talking about. Um, 
Other forms of art uh, all have come under suspicion for various reasons. Nearly all Christians acknowledge the worth of music in public worship. We, there's certainly plenty of disagreements about what that should sound like and how that should be done, but at least on some level, we are uh, in agreement that music is a part of the worship of God, but some are skeptical uh, of its value in other venues. For example, entertainment. <clears throat> should we be entertained by music? Uh, the theater has long had a very unsavory reputation for immorality. And so the church, in many ways, has shunned it, although the most famous playwright in the history of the world was a very committed Christian, a man by the name of Willie Shakespeare. Yeah, Rob. Yes, that it's simply a form of worship to be utilized by the church, but outside of that. It, it like In terms of like a group... So people, not all, but some individuals that you might meet who are, um, like they, they believe that the only form of true music would be like psalm-only singing, some of them would make that, uh, would make that um, assertion that God gave us the songs to sing in the psalms and therefore that's what we sing in the church and that's what it's intended for, that's what music is supposed to be and outside of that there's no, there's no place for it in terms of everyday life. But it's obviously a very, there's a very narrow, but it's, yeah, it's there. <laughs> What's that? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know a lot. Uh, some in here have a history with the Primitive Baptists, I don't. <laughs> Do you have something to say? Okay. Um, so I think, too, Christians, and rightly so, we, uh, we are often challenged by thinking through uh, what, what should we do with cinema, uh, specifically because of all that especially today's day and age, what the, the whole industry is rooted in with, uh, with Hollyweird and everything that goes on there and how all that plays out in daily life and, uh, and boycotts and all of this. So what do we think about those things? That's, that's uh, an important question for the church. And we don't want to be apathetic about it. We don't want to reject the fact that these need to be conversations. But we also, uh, we can't be... Um, we can't be a people who just reject everything outright and don't really give any thought to it at all and just say, we're not going to do that. Art is always, and this is the warning though, art is always tempted to glory in itself and nearly every form of art has been used to communicate values that are contrary to Scripture. Every form of art that God has given, and think about this with any gift that God has given. We see this right from the beginning in Genesis. Every gift that God has given, man has been able to utilize in such a way uh, that it has been, uh, has been sinful. It has been a rejecting of God's glory. And so all of these things we can say. I think we see uh, the artistic work of God, of course, in creation, and then immediately giving that mandate to man to take on that artistic, creative part of his being, uh, but then uh, misusing it and abusing it. And so art is as fallen as any other aspect of human existence. We can't get away from that. And this fallenness perverts the arts against fulfilling their original purpose and prevents us 
from embracing them uncritically. We must be critical. We must be thoughtful about what we're taking in. Now, more recently, a lot of Christians, not a lot, some Christians have objected to art on the grounds that it is dominated by an anti-Christian worldview. They rightly perceive that over the last uh, several decades, especially, that many artists, many writers, many playwrights or whatever, musicians are becoming increasingly cynical about the possibility of knowing the truth at all. And that's reflected in their work. It's very much a part of a, a worldview that says nothing matters at all. It's, it's, very, uh, it's very much the idea that we're here, we live, we die, and so as you're here, just live it up and do your thing. Um, I think one uh, example would be, uh, I was, what's the guy, the guy who was uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? Johnny Depp, thank you. Johnny Depp had an interview once, and, and the interviewer was saying, um, you know, there's, uh, there's a rumor that you have a... Uh, that you spend $30,000 a month on your wine, on drinking wine. And Johnny Depp sits back in his chair and he says, I am absolutely offended by that assertion. I spend far more than $30,000 a month on my wine. Right? And Johnny Depp went on to express that this is... This is my life. This is what I do. This is who I am. I make movies. I make a ton of money. And I just spend it however I want. And that's what life is all about. And so a Christian might look at that and say, well, he's a great actor. He makes some, uh, some good movies. What association should I or should I not have with that? It's an important question to ask. And we need to be thinking through those things instead of just embracing things uncritically. Um, art has suffered a tragic, tragic loss, I believe, of sacred beauty. There's a beauty that's to be communicated through the arts that is sacred in nature. And I, um, as I appreciate much of the work that's being done specifically in modern Christian uh, music to be utilized in the church, a lot of it is, as was said before, it is either cliche or repetitive or just not uh, not really drawn to the, um, to the sacred or to the, the transcendent, but rather more an appeal to what the modern common tastes are. And so you often hear, if you like this band, then you'll like this Christian equivalent-ish. <laughs> and, and you listen to it and say, well, they don't sound anything like them. They're just not as good. Um, and... You know, so there's a tendency to want to do that um, because we have lost a sense that all of this is, within the church, is intended to communicate something of God's character, God's nature, God's beauty, and the creative design of God and all that he has done. So much of the energy and effort of our artists and cultural architects have gone into debunking, dismantling, uh, deconstructing all that is good and true and beautiful. And as a result, Christians sometimes respond by saying, well, then let's just do away with it. Um, in many ways, the art world has become what one uh, critic called a suburb of hell. <laughs> um, at times you very much sense through what you're looking at, listening to, or watching uh, that the world is full of cynicism and a complete lack of hope and joy 
and any sense that things are going to uh, improve in any way. Um, so I'll give you, I want to show you uh, some examples here. Uh, there is, <coughs> uh, there's a, a prize. So there's this, uh, there's, since the early 1980s, there is a, um, a competition for visual artists um, that uh, is called the, the Turner Prize. And the Turner Prize is that which is given to what they consider to be the most subversive artist of the year. And so they have all of their, they have a, a gallery every year where they invite, you know, their top ten or whatever they decided on, and then people can come to the gallery and look and then vote on, on what uh, it is that they, they find to be the best. So uh, I'll, I'll show you. Let me show you. So, all right. So here we go. We have some uh, office chairs with uh, fur coats, some by themselves, some sitting together in a big empty room. This won the Turner Prize uh, a couple of years ago. So what, what are we looking at? Yeah. So think subversive. We're thinking something that is, um, that is subverting the norm or something that people have accepted, received as... Uh, as right or true. So I think, as Lee said, the fur coats, you know, there's always this controversy about people wearing animals, right? Uh, So there's a problem in someone's mind with that. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're nailing it. That's exactly something along the lines of what the artist was trying to communicate, that the sterility of of the office sitting in these, yeah, (laughs) good, good, yeah. When we want to clap, you need to snap your fingers, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, or to not trigger anyone's senses. We just <laughs> right, that's good. Um, so uh, I'm with you. I look at that, and we're going to talk about, you know, what is it, how, how as Christians so do we look at something like this? Is this really meaningful in any way? We have office chairs and fur coats, so we're... we're rejecting the beauty of what's out there and trying to bring it all in here and sterilize everything in the office place and the conversations we have and the clothes we wear. Uh, what about this one? I'll tell you that. Um... <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. So uh, the pile of <coughs> rubble down there, that's actually pennies. And it is, uh, I forget the amount of money, but it's, it's the average uh, annual income in pennies of, uh, of a family in the UK. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have that down. No, they don't. That's, that, that was interesting to me as well. They use pounds, but they use pennies. Uh, they're like um, distressed, like painted, um, like sheet metal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was actually before then, but it does, it's supposed to communicate sort of this hopeless, broken reality of the world and poverty and this, uh, this you know, this is what it looks like to live in an average life in the UK versus the opulence and the luxury of someone who, uh, who owns stuff and has stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, this is the people living in the midst of it all. 
And, and this is, it does, does it, is it ugly and broken down and sort of, yes, it is. And that's the point, right? The more ugly and, and sort of uh, meaningless it is, the more meaningful it becomes to those who want to be subversive. Right, and that's, that's something uh, that we, we will talk more about is this reality that how you see these sorts of things communicating something of sort of the, uh, the brokenness and the uh, hopelessness of the world is very much the message that we bring to people as Christians and say, yes, it is broken and hopeless. However, you stop there, we point you to where there is true hope. Mark. Yes, and I, I was, uh, some of the Turner Prizes have been awarded to such things. I'm just not going to show them here, but I, I did want to uh, make that point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in the same way um, Heather and I were talking before, um, uh, one of the more famous um, modern, the transition between modern and postmodern art was an uh, uh, someone had taken a urinal and turned it upside down and hung it on the wall and signed his name on it, and it has now become one of the most famous pieces of artwork in, in uh, modern art history. Um, is that art? And those are questions we need to continue asking. What about something like this? Uh, some upturned stairs. It looks maybe a little bit like a M.C. Escher drawing, you know, the 3D. But what, what do you... Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm certain that's not what the artist thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, as Mark brought out, a lot of this is intended to be intentionally offensive, intentionally um, unsettling. It's intentionally made um, to communicate a person's view of the world that, as I said before, it is damaged, it is upside down. And as Christians, we understand that to be a depiction of human depravity. Um, let, me, let me give you uh, an example now through, um, through music. This, uh, if you've never heard, is um, a man by the name of John Cage. And John Cage has uh, been famous uh, for... Uh, being subversive with his music. Um, uh, for example, I won't play this one. It wouldn't be, there'd be no point to it. It's called Four Minutes and 20 Seconds. And what it was was he walked out on the stage and for four minutes and 20 seconds he sat at the piano in silence and then he stood up and walked away and played nothing at all. Well, that was art. Yes, <laughs> that was supposedly his commentary on music. Well, this one is called As Slow as Possible. I'm just going to play a little bit of it. It's 30 minutes long. What's that? Oh, no. People love this. People will sit and listen to this and contemplate it and analyze it and have symposiums about it. John Cage is a, a, an icon, a hero. Now, this should be somewhat unsettling at some point. And you hear this and just say, make it stop, right? Are we there yet? <laughs> 20 seconds ago. 
<laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty painful, right? Right, well, that's the point. Yes, the normal, if, if he wrote it and you just played it at a normal sort of pace, even 60 beats per minute or something like that, it's fairly reasonable sounding. Um, but that was the point. His instruction on the sheet of music are play this as slow as possible. Um, and the point being, I want to sort of wreck the idea that there is anything of a structure that must be adhered to, any forms that we must maintain. We're sort of disrupting this idea of beauty. And Christians should have some uh, opinions about what that, what that means. Yeah, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm and I, glad you brought that up, Rob. I think... Um, we have to be careful as Christians to make distinctions between something that is, like some of this, is intentionally intended to offend and be subversive and to sort of break free, if you will, from the idea that there is an objective beauty, there is an objective sense of goodness and truth, versus, I just don't like it. There's a difference, right? You don't have to like it. You don't have to see a place for it in your life or in your home, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily wrong or ugly or whatever. So there's a big distinction to be made there. Yeah. Excellent, excellent point. Absolutely. And that's, um, while that's not what many will communicate because they're not thinking of it in terms of a Christian worldview, it certainly is the reality uh, we want to sort of break down, and that's really the way we can think about it, is there's an intention to break down that which we look at and say God created this for a very specific purpose for us to enjoy and delight in. Yeah. Yeah, great. <clears throat> and it, it, that's a great way to say it, an artistic representation of what we see in Romans 1 and the suppression of truth in unrighteousness. Truth. Sure. Yeah, so context in all of this is important as well. Absolutely. Uh, two more comments, and then I've got to finish up. Mark? Right. Right. So, again, the context of all of this is really important as we think about the how and the why and all of those parts fitting together have a big place in the conversation. So, Our... Um, Recently, we watched uh, The Pilgrim's Progress. I think uh, the CGI animation in that was phenomenal and really compares to what you see in any other realm of film using those same kinds of graphics and things. It was beautifully done, the story well told. Obviously, the story was already told before they did that, but uh, nevertheless, I think that's a good example of that. Well, ultimately, there is a kind of art that dishonors God because it's not keeping with the ideas of truth and goodness and beauty that are related to his character. And we need to be able to recognize that as Christians. And I've tried to show some of that today. It also undermines the church's mission and ministry if we just uncritically accept or reject these things without any thought. So here's what I want to leave us with today. Art has tremendous power and a tremendous capability of transforming and shaping culture and touching the human heart, either for good or for ill. Um, 
Its artifacts embody the ideas and the desires of the coming generation. Um, The poets of yesterday are the musicians of today, and uh, how they communicate certain things says a lot about where we are as a culture. And so this means that what's happening in the arts today is, uh, is something we need to pay attention to as Christians because it says where things are headed in the realm of thought and worldview. And so if we abandon the arts, we lose a significant opportunity to communicate the truth about Christ to the culture. And so part of that, too, is we don't want to settle for, uh, for trivial expressions of the truth in worship and art. We don't want to diminish the reality of its significance. We don't want to lose the importance of its transcendence. We need to recover a full biblical understanding of the arts, and that's where I want to go. So we've we spent the last two weeks looking at stuff that may be today a little unsettling or subversive or meaningless on purpose, um, but certainly we will get into things that are a lot more aligned with uh, what we want to see and think about as Christians. This is the goal. It's not just important for artists. It's important for everyone else who's made in God's image and in need of redemption that we understand the place of all of this in our lives because it is a part of our everyday lives. You cannot escape the arts no matter how much you might want to try. So we will leave it there this morning. Let me pray. Father, thank you again for our time together. We pray, Lord, that as we are challenged to think about something that many of us don't often give thought to, uh, that you would continue to uh, help us to see things rightly according to your word and your purposes, uh, that you would be glorified in our, um, our study, in our thinking, in our discussions. And uh, Lord, that we would not just tune it out because we're not interested or we don't we don't think it's important or uh, we just like what we like and we're not, we don't want to figure anything else out. Lord, help us to not be that way. But as your people that we recognize the world is created by you and that you have created in us creators, sub-creators, and that we would be thoughtful about what that looks like and how that works itself out in our daily lives. And so, Lord, we pray uh, that you would continue to be with us as we think about these things. We pray now, Lord, as we turn to our time of corporate worship, that it is beautiful and pleasing to you, and that our hearts are stirred to greater affections for the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he is for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.